0: Hello, everyone. Zone, and this is one's well, guide to talk for Thursday, 18th of November, 2021. Oh, you're probably wondering. I was a tad bit busy yesterday, and when I got the time to record this podcast, it was quite late, and didn't want to ruin anybody's sleep with my high-pitched voice. It's really high pitch. When I scream, I scream, and well, this little ear, this little earpiece cannot capture my enthusiasm. Almost, it probably peaks. Oh well. In today's episode, why is there a lot of echoing noise? I sincerely apologize. I'm trying to record in a quiet spot of the house, and uh, there just seems to be a lot of echo where I am right now. I'm kind of currently at my aunt's, so they have pretty tall rooms, so lots of echoes, so you can't escape. It's not well insulated. I'm on bed, so it's not as bad as in other parts of the house, but yeah. Um, Got to deal with the, the echoes and the, you know, so... Uh, please, bear with the sound quality, it's it's not satisfactory, but we're making do with what we have. Uh, but, oh well, in today's episode, uh, we're talking about lots of new devices, a new variant of the Porsche Taycan, Apple's, decision to su- uh, Apple's surprise decision, you could say, to offer folks the ability to repair the iPhones and Macs, and much, much more. Without further ado, let's get rolling, shall we? First things first, let's bring up what I think is a pretty pleasant surprise, and that is Apple's announcement that it will offer manuals and replacement parts for the iPhone 12 and iPhone 13, uh, along with M1 Max that will be supported soon. So yeah, the M1-based Macs, uh, they were a bit repairable already. Apple's self-service repair option will be available early next year in the US in additional markets later in 2022. The initial phase will focus on the iPhone's display, battery, and camera, pretty start stuff you can literally chuck it off and you know add it back it add a new one in and all that kind of stuff uh, but obviously if you don't understand the display and camera i believe are like serialized so you can't chuck a replacement part in expect it to work it would sort of be unsupported so it is kind of a big deal in that sense if you know how these how the iphone works eventually but eventually more parts will be supported down the road the interesting part is that in the press release apple has emphasized that for certain customers who don't have any experience in electronic repairs can get their devices repaired from any apple store any apple store kind of if you think about it or certified repair providers uh you know, independent ones certified apple repair folks uh, so uh, you're probably wondering how this, how will this work? How this arrangement will work with self-repairs, uh, essentially, as individuals? How will you go and uh, fix fix up your iPhone? It's pretty easy. If you've watched a billion iFixit videos, you'll probably know how it goes. But uh, how essentially how it would work is: those who want to repair their Apple devices can review the manual to see how it's fixed. Generally, you know how the display can be removed. You know it's kind of simple. I saw this on Twitter that it was apparently similar to what what they did for Max when people wanted to change their storage or switch out some bits and bobs it, they offered some instructions essentially and it probably was easy as, assembling, uh, probably as easy as assembling an IKEA chair probably I'm jab, jibber jabbering at this point but, but uh, you can see how uh, it is done and you can then order parts from the online store which will offer over 200 individual parts and tools for the iPhones Customers can send their used parts which have been replaced by the new part generally for recycling and get credit like they already do for the buyback program for Apple's devices like the iPhones. I think that's pretty good uh, in that sense. Now, it may not make the iPhone 12 or 13 more repair friendly, but this is a good move from the Cupertino based company which has had a very harsh stance on allowing right to repair for their devices, but they didn't do this to impress everybody being one of the most profitable companies on the planet. And gotta remember that part. This was a result of this was the result of pressure from right to repair laws in the US and European Union and this was a bit of a gentle surprise hearing this summons shareholder pressure and it kind of got nasty to the point that they you know pressured Apple that if they didn't go through with the uh, with the motion conference where, with the vote on this decision and they would take it to the Security and Exchanges Commission this i read this in a verge and that was surprising i'll definitely try to link that uh, in the show notes so you can go check it out it was it's it's kind of interesting on top of that it might also be that the us might enforce a pretty strict federal policy forcing companies to allow customers to do full-blown repairs all this has meant that apple had to start offering this option different defending its position of There is no need uh, for users repairing iPhones themselves would have costed the Cupertino-based tech giant a fortune. So I guess it was also a face-saving move in a way. The famous company known for its repair tools, and as a result, a big critic of Apple's policies, iFixit best summed up this development uh, in their own words, and I'll quote them here, but we're thrilled to see Apple admit what we've always known. Everyone's enough of a genius to fix an iPhone. And I... Probably cannot disagree with iFixit on that point, especially given how easy their teardowns tend to look, if you ask me. So, pretty fascinating development, nonetheless. Moving on, in the past couple of days, we've got tons of new phones, and some are pretty interesting and, and almost bizarre. The This first one is pretty much in the bizarre department for sure. Balmuda, a company known for making overkill premium toasters, has created its first smartphone with Kirosira, or Kyrosera, I don't know how you pronounce it, but it would go with the American way of pronouncing it. Kyrosera, oh well, whatever I pronounced it. The Bermuda phone has a pebble like design that fits in your hand and isn't like your iPhone or Galaxy in a way. It's quite compact, it has a 4.9 inch Full HD display, a Snapdragon 675 chip, 6GB of RAM, 128GB of storage, 48MP back camera, 8MP selfie camera. 2500 mAh battery, runs on Android 11, has a fingerprint sensor and 5G connectivity thanks to that chip that already is there. It costs around 104,800 uh, Japanese yen, uh, yen, Sorry, that's about eight, 900, eight, 918 dollars unlocked, and you, or you can get it on contract with SoftBank, uh, you'll have to check with them for the actual details, I'm sure it's a pretty good price uh, that they're offering it at you can pre-order it already, but it will be available from November 26th. Sadly, we don't know if it will be released outside of Japan. Again, it's quite, uni- it's quite a bizarre phone, and the design is really unique, if, if you ask me. Motorola has released a bunch of new phones. We've got the Moto G200, G71, G51, G41, and the G31, which is a lot of phones. That's actually five, to be exact. The first is the G200. It's the successor to the Moto G100, the affordable flagship device under 500 euros. The G200 has a Snapdragon 888 plus chip. One of the only phones really out there that has the 888 plus, not just the 888, the 888 plus. So it's a bit advanced. Uh, Again, top of the line until we see the 9898 or some other random number or term that qualcomm offers for their chips 6.8 inch 144 hertz lcd display with hdr 10 certification 8 gigabytes of ram along with either 128 or 256 gigabytes of ufs 3.1 storage you got a 5000 million power battery with 33 watt fast charging 33 watts okay that in case you forgot at the back you have a 108 megapixel main camera with a pixel size of 2.1 micrometers a 13 megapixel ultra wide right angle camera along with a depth sensor and a 16 megapixel camera at the front. The G200 will cost around 450 euros and will be available in the next few weeks. And this goes for all other phones also. And will also generally be available in Ro- Motorola's main markets of Europe and Latin America and Asia. So uh, do check where you're like retailer if they have the new phones. I'm, I'm sure they should have them or else go buy a techno phone. It's pretty cheap and also again does also wonders. But I'm sure there's no high-end techno phone at this point so you might as well wait for the g200 or you can get it from aliexpress if you ask me oh well uh on the other side we you've got the g71 it's uh it's a bit of a mid-range device for what it is it's got uh, it has a 6.4 inch fhd plus amoled 60 hertz display so yeah it does amoled which is impressive snapdragon 695 uh you know uh probably the first phone with this new chip 6 or 8 gigabytes of ram and uh, with just 120 gigabytes of storage 50 megapixel main shooter 8 megapixel ultra wide angle and 2 megapixel macro 5000 mAh battery with 30 watt no, 30 watt fast charging not 33 30 watt fast charging usbc micro sd card support f- ip52 water resistance and this is what they stated there's no mention of dust but I'm pretty sure it's IP52 water resistance, that's what it can do. This phone is pretty good being a mid-ranger, given you get a newer chip, a bigger battery, and expandable storage for what it is. This one costs around €300, Euros, so that's definitely worth keeping in mind. Uh, and then uh, we got the G51, uh, which has uh, a 6.8-inch, 120Hz FHD Plus display, Snapdragon 480 Plus, 50 megapixel main shooter, 8 megapixel ultraviolet angle shooter, and a 2 megapixel macro also, so that's three sensors right there. Uh, It has, uh, you can get 64, 120 gigabytes of storage. Uh, You also have micro SD card support. So that's definitely worth keeping in mind. Uh, Also, you get a 5000 mAh battery, only 10, but only 10 watts of fast charging. 10 watts of fast charging, very slow. Being a big screen phone for long binge watching sessions and chatting sessions if you know what i'm talking about uh, this will cost around um 230 euros it's pretty well priced to compete good for those who watch lots of content and use whatsapp um the g41 and the g31 were kind of complex i kind of left it out of here uh, both both have g71's as oled display along with quite similar cameras battery and specs but don't have 5g connectivity uh, like the G two hundred, G seventy one, and G fifty one, but both do cost two hundred. Uh, but both phones cost under two hundred fifty euros, generally speaking. Uh, so yeah, overall, a uh, pretty competitive offering for the Lenovo owned brand, if you think about it, that in that way. Alrighty, let's talk about some smartphone rumor mill stuff. Uh, first off, Realme, uh, we got to mention about Realme. Uh, Realme's uh, marketing head Shu. Qui Chase teased on Weibo about new forms such as underscreen and folding will further mature. He kind of posted about the, about what smartphone trends will kind of blow up next year uh, from from now sort of and he made that point that underscreen and folding phones will take off. Now he's giving his take on what smartphone trends will emerge in next year but one thing's for sure we're seeing more and more foldables but he didn't really state or confirm that Realme is making a folding phone Again, I got the story from Android Authority. So big shout out to them for the scoop. I mean, they found this one. Uh, But again, as I stated before, I stated a few seconds ago. It doesn't really confirm or state if they're making a foldable. But I kind of do know that Realme can sell phones that cost more than $500. You look at the X-Series, you look at the GT-Series. So they can definitely sell pre premium phones. And, well, they can get a market share because, again, they've gotten customers as attention in that sense but we're still like two or so years from foldables really hitting the overall mainstream smartphone market that market where people just actually go and buy actual phones for a living it's just into the consciousness of nerds everywhere in that sense right now with foldables like like the z flip 3 it's kind of entered the consciousness everyone knows that foldables are a thing but again regular users are not running out and buying them in droves i mean those who are quite nerdy about phones know that they exist and some who do have the money are, spare, are you know, coming, showing up with huge stoves of cash and buying foldables, but generally they're not that mainstream yet in that sense where Realme can justify making a model. Uh, but then again, I think they can make a foldable, uh, but it could be a concept or limited edition offering, so I guess it's a bit too early to leap and unfold in that sense. Yeah, I made that up. Don't, don't ask me why or how. Uh Leaker, Max Jamber, or Jammer, if that's how you pronounce it, tweeted out a picture showing a timeline for OnePlus Ten OnePlus Ten Pros' release, showing the Chinese release date being early in January and February of twenty twenty two, with the overall global launch being in March and April of twenty twenty two. If this is true, then it's a marked change for a company that has, has had day in date global launches for flagships, including the Chinese market. They released at the same time as the rest of the world. Then again, it could be possible since the whole tie-up kind of combining of resources with OPPO that happened earlier this year and with the original founder of OnePlus leaving, which kind of was was a surprise, obviously, but again, no one saw that coming. Uh, But obviously, uh, this could be a bit of a big deal uh, in a way. Alrighty, the other big thing to talk about is EVs right now, and specifically the Porsche Taycan. It's been a big hit for the Bavarian sports car maker, one of its best-selling cars in the past year. Literally, it's outsold the 911 series, in a way. Uh, And now it's releasing a new variant of the Signature Electric Sedan that really put uh, Porsche on the electrification path right away. Uh, And like its sister concern, Audi, I mean, that... Audi's cars have been a hit also but again uh, the Taycan is un- undeniably uh, gorgeous looking. I'm a bit of a Porsche fanboy okay so bear with me on this one. Now um, we have a new variant uh, the Taycan GTS and the Taycan GTS Sport Turismo. The GTS has uh, 440 kilowatts of overboost power when using the launch control option in the car and you, you I think you're flip the switch or something and you switch on launch control so you have all that power coming straight at you so um so that's impressive it goes from 0 to 100 kilometers per hour in just 3.7 seconds making it one of the sportier take-hounds available its max speed is about uh, its max speed is roughly 250 kilometers per hour you have air suspension uh, which is adaptive so the adaptive air suspension is available it's basically what Porsche describes as the sporty sweet spot of the Taycan range. I didn't make that up. They made that. Okay, so props to their press department for that one. <laughs> uh, the sporty sweet spot in that sense. But once that, that really has caught my eye. And um, and you can easily guess what I'm talking about. And, I, and And this one has really been a deal breaker for me. Uh, When I'm thinking about ever getting the Porsche Taycan, if I ever had the money and all the money in the world, if I suddenly signed a check with a bigger podcast player and they gave me a million dollar check and I wanted to buy a car, so I'd buy a Porsche uh, or a Porsche or Porsche. I I say it's Porsche, okay? That's how I pronounce it, Uh, a Porsche. Um, And this has been a deal breaker for me thinking of the Taycan has been the range. I, I feel like range anxiety with this one. Unlike Teslas that have superchargers and reliable charging infrastructure and all that kind of stuff. The Taycan has this kind of thing with the range. It's quite limited. It kind of drains off very quickly. you know. It's got a range between 350 to 450 kilometers at most. Uh, and there's the issue about lack of DC fast charges generally around the world. But they're now see, starting to figure out the range anxiety for a lot of users. So the Taycan GTS has a WLTP range of up to 504 kilometers making it the first variant to hit that mark pretty impressive the gts sport turismo on the other hand um is a bit of a sport station wagon on like the sport turismo of the same way of the regular taken that's already been out there so this one is for the gts spec so it has the same specs as the sporty sedan gts variant but with 45 millimeters of greater uh, 45 millimeters greater headroom height than the regular Taycan. So have a bit more room for the kids at the back or your teenagers if you have them or for, for your grandparents if you put them in the back that is. And a load capacity in the boot of more than 1200 liters, 1200 liters. So yeah, it's sporty, has an impressive range for an electric Porsche and tons of space for goods and the kids <laughs> in the back. That's the best part about the Sport Turismo. And it's got that kind of crossover uh, kind of look. Even though it doesn't have a very high height that crossovers come with. So it's got that, even though it's a station wagon for the looks of it. German car makers still make station wagons, by the way, that that's for sure. I mean, like like Mercedes and Audi. So this is one of those uh, this is one of those cool looking uh, station wagons you can get from a German car maker. So it's a pretty good option if you're in the market for a new station wagon that is. And that one that is electric and environmentally friendly. So the GTS, uh, as I said, overall the variant, um, you got a very good range in that sense. So the Taycan GTS and the GTS Sport Turismo start from 131,834 euros and 132,786 132, euros respectively. That includes uh, VAT over there in Germany and all of the extra costs attached with getting a Porsche. Um, so uh, so the regular GTS is about 131,000 euros roughly. And then a thousand more than, I think about more than eight hundred to a thousand euros extra for the Sport Turismo. That's the regular spec. You can get it with a uh, with a electrically controlled sunroof. Also, they mentioned it in the press release, so that's pretty cool. These cars will be available by spring of next year. So definitely cars to look forward to. Uh, then again, the range is a pretty good justification to get the GTS range in that's uh, the GTS variant in that. Uh, sense, uh, I don't know why I said the range. It's not a range of cars. It's a variant of the Taycan, but you get what I'm talking about. The range is pretty good, if you ask me. And I mean, it's no more different than the regular Taycan. So I think the, the range uh, probably is is the best reason. 500 kilometers is pretty impressive for a lot of people. Kind of cuts out range anxiety. Then again, I haven't actually had an EV to play around with, so I don't really know my level of range anxiety. I think it'd be around 350 kilometers. Because in Bahrain, back in Bahrain, I'm currently in Pakistan. In Pakistan, though, I'd say this would be awesome. The GTS one, it would sort of cut the whole anxiety issue. Because the problem is, Karachi is quite... uh, The roads are quite rough already on one. and another, there's a lot of traffic. This is a city packed with bikes, buses, rickshaws, and everything. So you need an extra electric range. You need that kind of tour, even if it's not using it, though... You need an extra range, so if the e-tron, if if Audi can update the e-tron with, I don't know, x ex- 30% extra range, I'd take it. And that's how it is. But I think in between it would probably be enough. The regular takeout would do wonders back in between. Maybe because there would be enough chargers by then, or I wouldn't travel very long distances in a Porsche, if you think about it. So, yeah, it kind of depends on where you live, really. But in some places, this is a good option, honestly. Yeah, I mean... I mean and also one thing i'd say is that the terms for the take ons like the gt turbo it don't really mean much anymore because the variances with electric cars are mainly with mortar and powertrain setups and battery sizes that's where the real skews kick in there's no difference of engines or tweaks or designs or setups we're, we're still far from it we're already it's early days so i think in terms of range this is like the kind of the still the sporty one but also has pretty impressive range it's it's quite efficient as they claim it to be so pretty good in that sense moving on this is pretty much on the silly side so bear with me the 2021 LA auto show is starting from tomorrow and Matt and Mattel if that's how you pronounce it has shown a cool concept car a toy Barbie car it's not okay now it's not that impressive until you look at what power is it it's electric yes uh, electric Barbie car. Never thought I'd say that in 2021. I didn't expect, did see this come. No one saw this coming, right? Yeah, it, it's on the silly side, but 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 hear me out. It's pretty cool. The Barbie Extra car is a life-size concept car which uses the electric powertrain from the Fiat 500e, making it eco-friendly and has all the touches of a Barbie toy car. The accent, the accents, the front, the back, like the Um, Fun fact, the wheels were 3D printed before being hand painted, that's interesting, and the shape was cut from foam, which uh, the mold on which the car's body shape was made was again cut from foam, Uh, again pretty interesting concept car and strangely enough, Mattel stock rose early in the morning uh, when this news broke out. So that was we- That's weird. It's completely unrelated. I really do hope the Tesla stock buyers were not rushing to Mattel stock thinking that they were actually going to make an EV. But I think Barbie car, the Barbie toy cars, are already electric because they're like RC cars. If you can drive them, or maybe they're just actually just a, you know, a dumb car. You just and the babies can just move it around or something. Or maybe they are electric if they're RC, technically. If you want to get this car, the toy version, though, not the actual one, you can't get the actual car. It looks cool, but I'm sure it'll fall apart. But if you want a toy version, it's available for $30 from Walmart. So, yeah, that 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 is pretty interesting, if you ask me. It's it's pretty crazy, but, again, pretty pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, and um, that brings us to the end of this episode. What do you think of everything you've heard today? Let me know by dropping a tweet or DM. I'm at said underscore nine 99 on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me if you can. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening right now. Please leave a review on our podcast and share this podcast to your friends and family as much as you can to get. We want more. We want more people to listen to us. Okay. We want more plays, more downloads. Uh, the more people get to hear this, the better. All right. Till next week. This is Man signing out. Stay safe. Take care. Harrogate weekend. And thank you for listening. I sincerely apologize for any uh, echoes or noise or anything. We're making we're 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 deal we're we're trying to deal with this, okay? But yeah. Have a great weekend and thank you for listening. Ciao.